that I've been praying about what to, I've been praying about for the last few months about word for this year, next year. And for the past several years, God's given me a word to to describe the coming year. This this year was acceleration. And we've seen some acceleration. And I hope you've seen acceleration in your life. Not just in your in, in this church life, but in your personal life, in your spiritual life. You've seen acceleration. You've gone places that you've gone to another level. You're in a different dimension spiritually because you're going to need it. We're going to need it. You know, this year we prayed for, we had three things that we were praying for. Anybody remember what they are? No, youth pastor was the year before. 150 people. 15 salvations. 15 salvations and children's program. So we got the children's program started. We had 18 people saved. But we're still working on 150. But that's okay because that's not the number anymore. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your life that lives in us. I thank you, God, that you shine from us and that we are your children. Those who know you are your children. And God, you have only good for your children. Sometimes it doesn't feel good, but God, you need to correct us and to line us back up with what we're supposed to be doing. Oh God, I pray as I preach this message, Lord, that you would just speak through me, Lord, and that you would be seen and heard and not me. Lord, that you would anoint it and that it would go out and accomplish what you called it to accomplish. The thing that you've ordained it to do, may it come to pass and may it come to fruition. In Jesus' name, amen. So the word that, that the Lord gave me for this year is vision. Vision. Now you know why I said that your acceleration was requirement for the vision and preparation for the vision. Vision is an important aspect of our lives. And you got to have Vision. Those of us who don't have really good vision up close need help. Vision's important. Vision is one of the five senses, and vision is one of the things that we rely most heavily on. Just let it be gone for a while and realize how much you depended on your vision. It's how we see things. You know, if you go blind, then yeah, you can learn to see things through smell and, and your hearing and your touch. But on uh, Christmas Eve, we were at uh, Matt and Shane's house and had a good time. That was awesome lasagna, by the way. 
And we played a game. And in the game, it was would you rather was the game. And in one of the game, at one point, um, um, their daughter-in-law, um, Katie. Katie, I knew it had a K. I was like, Katie. She had a challenge, and the challenge was that she had to use her, be blindfolded, and she had to identify three people using her hands and face only. Now, for some, for some, for some people that she identified, it was really easy, like her, bro, like her brother-in-law. Oh, yeah, this is Brian. <laughs> But when you've lost your sight, you can learn to do that kind of thing. But when you have your sight, it's a valuable commodity. It's something that you don't want to lose. If you don't want to lose your, you don't want to lose your sight, if you don't believe me, ask somebody who doesn't have it. Now, somebody who was born without it, they don't know any different. But somebody who was born with sight and lost their sight... Ask them how much they wish they had their sight back. There's several types of vision. There's 2020 vision. <laughs> 2020 vision. See, that's what we're going to be talking about today is 2020 vision. 2020 vision. You get it, right? 2020. See, 2020 vision is normal vision. Or what's considered to be normal vision. This means that the test subject sees the same line of letters at 20 feet that the person with normal vision sees at 20 feet. I see it 20 feet, you see the same thing at 20 feet. 2040 vision means that the test subject sees at 20 feet what a person with normal vision sees at 40 feet. In other words, <laughs> your vision's getting bad. <laughs> twenty twenty vision. There's twenty twenty corrected vision. How many of you have twenty twenty corrected vision? Some people you can't tell now that we've got contact lenses. With contacts in, you can't even tell. Some, but some folks you can tell because they got the colored ones. <laughs> Want to make my eyes blue? Just get some colored contacts and make your eyes blue. It's corrected vision. I remember one time when I was in the military. Was I in? No, I wasn't. I was out. We were living in Michigan, and uh, I have astigmatism. And this eye doctor said he could correct it. So he gave me rigid, lens, rigid contact lenses. I hated them. Because they didn't fit right. So every time I would blink, the lens would move. Talk about irritating. 
And if you didn't, and if you did something wrong, and you you rubbed your eye, you ended up with the with that thing way back up, and trying to get it out. That lasted not very long before I got rid of those things. Twenty twenty, Craig. There's also double vision. Take a knock to the head, you're going to see double. I know a lot of drunks who see double. Reminds me of the It's a Wonderful Life. And the had a party, and Uncle Billy comes out and he says, Where's my hat? Where's my hat? And George takes it and puts it down in his head, and he goes, Which one is it? It's the one in the middle. Double vision, blurry vision, blurry vision, take your glasses off and you get blurry vision. You don't see things clearly. See, when we're talking about 2020 vision, we're not actually talking about vision, we're talking about visual acuity. What is visual acuity, you might ask? Well, I'm glad you asked, I'll tell you. Visual acuity is the sharpness of your vision, how clearly you see. And vision in a broader term is eyesight. But in addition to sharpness of sight or simply a description of the ability to see, the term vision usually includes a wider range of visual abilities and skills. Contrast sensitivity, the ability to track moving objects with smooth and accurate eye movements. Color vision, depth perception, focusing speed and accuracy. You don't have depth perception, you're going to find out pretty quickly. Close one eye and try it. You lose depth perception. I'm reminded when it says the ability to track moving objects with smooth and accurate eye movements reminds me of doing field sobriety tests on people suspected of DUI. Done it. Several times. One of the tests... You've seen them where they say, look at the end of my finger, or they have a pen, and they say, look at the tip of my pen, and they say, follow my finger with your eyes. Seen that? I'm not going to ask if anybody's ever been subjected to that. But you've seen it on Cops or Live PD or some of those shows, and they, and they move the finger to the left, and they'll move their finger to the right. You know what they're looking for? They're looking for smooth Tracking of your eyes. And when you've been drinking, you lose that ability. Your eyes will bounce. And the closer in the the bounce starts, the more drunk you are. So when I take my finger and I do this and I move it out, if I move it out and your eyes start to bounce, do this, and it starts about your shoulder, you're legally drunk. And as it gets closer and closer in, you're a lot more drunk. And then the same way up and down. But that's what they're checking. They're checking to see if your eyes are tracking smoothly. And if you're drunk, if you've got alcohol on board, your eyes will not track smoothly. So people... Even if you can't smell it, you can tell. 
So there's three major physical and neurological factors that determine your visual acuity. The first one is how accurately the cornea and lens of the eye focus light onto the retina. So let's go back to biology. Right? Remember, the light comes into your eye, goes through the lens, through the cornea, through the lens. You remember the little thing? It flips it over. Flips it over, and then it hits the back of your, your eye, which is what? The retina. If any one of those things is not right, your visual acuity will be off. We can't be accurate unless we know the will of God. Our visual acuity. We're talking about vision, 2020 vision here. We're talking about vision for the next year. We have vision for our next year and beyond. We have, but unless we have, unless the things are in the right order, in the right place, unless they're looking pretty good, then we're, and we're not going to know what the will of God is if we don't have those things in the right order. We can't know the will of God unless we're praying and reading. We want to know where we're going. We want to know how to get there. Then we got to pray and we got to read. And we got to pray and we got to read more and more rather than less and less. We want to accurately know. We can get a general idea, but if we want to accurately know, we got to be in the word and we've got to be on our knees. Another major physical thing is the sensitivity of the nerves in the retina and vision centers in the brain. Nerves in the retina. Sensitivities, where they're connected through the optic nerve and they're connected in your brain. The sensitivity to those. Some people are more sensitive to light than others. People with light-colored eyes are more sensitive to light than people with dark-colored eyes. How many of you knew that? And apparently, green eyes are the most sensitive. I have green eyes. That's why most of the time when I'm outside, you won't see me without sunglasses on. Sensitivity, now listen to this. Sensitivity is the capacity of an organism or sense organ to respond to stimulation. How sensitive something is. It's the capacity to sense and respond. What's your capacity to sense and respond? Sensitivity to the Spirit requires prolonged interaction with the Holy Spirit. Sensitivity. How sensitive are we to this? How sensitive are we to the Spirit? How sensitive are we to the move of God? How sensitive are we to hearing God's voice? Well, that's proportional to how much time you spend on your knees and how much time you spend in the Word and how much time you spend in the presence of the Holy Spirit. You want to be more sensitive? Then you've got to do more, not less. If we want to see God move in this church in the next year the way we, I think that he wants to move, then we've got to step our game up. 
We got to step it up, folks. We can't keep it at same old, same old. We got to step up. I'm not getting too many amens this morning. Yeah. But that's a given. <laughs> it requires prolonged interaction. You know what prolonged means, don't you? It means a minute or two and then go away. It means five or ten minutes and then go on my way. It means prolonged. It means constant. It means continuous. Not just once a day. I can tell you this right now. That's where Muslims have us beat hands down. Five times a day, they pray no matter where they're at. And it's like pulling hen's teeth to get people to pray once in Christianity. But I prayed over my food. (laughs) Well, good for you. And the other thing... Major physical neurological factor in the visual acuity is the ability of the brain to interpret information received from the eyes. So what you see and then the interpretation from what you're seeing is interpreted in your brain. You all get that, right? Sometimes what you see is not what you see. When I was a cop, we had a saying... Only believe half of what you see and none of what you hear. (laughs) It's true. It it, it worked well for me. Your ability of your brain to interpret information received from the eyes. See, we can relate that to our spirit. Our spirit needs to be able to interpret and process what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. If we want visual acuity in the spirit world, we've got to interpret what the spirit is saying to our spirit. Well, how do we do that? I've just told you twice. (laughs) Prolonged exposure to the Holy Spirit, praying every day and multiple times a day and reading your word. You want to know, that's why Bible reading is so important. Well, pastor, these are basic things. Why don't you get into the meat of the word? Let me tell you what, unless you grasp these concepts, you're never going to get the meat of the word. We got to grasp the basics. You know, you go have a football team and they, they, they play a game and they, and they really play badly. What do you think happens on that very next practice? You know what the coach does? You guys play badly. What does the coach do the next practice? Back to the basics. The basics are the fundamentals. The basics are the building blocks of everything else that happens. And if those aren't right, nothing else is going to be right. Twenty twenty vision. 
So what's our purpose? What's your purpose? What's, what is it? What's our purpose? What's your purpose? Well, life is a ride, and it's not the, you know, life is the destination. It's not the ride. That's just, you know, that's my purpose in life. I'm going to have fun, and then I'm going to die, and it's not your purpose. Your purpose is much more than that. But we can't, and here we go again. We can't know our purpose until we're on our knees and with the word open. I have a purpose. Yeah, you do. But do you know what it is? Because it might not be what you're doing right now. Let me give you a definition of what purpose is. The reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists, a fixed design, outcome, or idea that is the object of an action or other effort. It's a purpose. It's a fixed thing. It's something that's done or created, something that exists. It's a design. It's an outcome. It's what you're looking for. It's what you're moving for, what you're going toward. It's your purpose. There are a lot of people in this world who, are, world who are going toward a purpose that is not their designed purpose. And they're miserable, and they're making everybody around them miserable. Without purpose, we wander aimlessly. There's a purpose. There's a purpose that we gather together here on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights. Not tonight, but normally on Sunday nights. Wednesday nights, Monday nights now. There's a reason for it. It's not just, the, hey, let's, let's go and turn the lights on and burn electricity. That's not our purpose. When we just go from thing to thing, when we don't have a purpose, we just go from this to that, you know, like a moth or like a gnat going from here, 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 here. But when you have a purpose, you move toward that purpose. And God will enable you and gives you the steps to take. He orders your steps. And shows you, remember last week, the, uh, what was it? I'm getting stuff mixed up because I did three sermons all at once last. Talking about light and the light, I think it was on the candlelight service. It was the light and Jesus is the light of the world and we hide God's word and God's word is Jesus and he's the light and we hide him in our hearts so that we won't sin against God so that it illuminates our path. Ah, we, have, we need to have a plan. Got to have a plan. There's a plan. God has a plan for each one of us. Without vision, people perish. 
Genesis 41, 25 to 36, then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years and the seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are one. The seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years and the seven empty ears blighted by the east wind are also seven years of famine. It says, I told Pharaoh, God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. There will come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt, but after them there will arise seven years of famine, and then the, all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. The famine will consume the land, and the plenty of, will be unknown in the land of reason of the famine that will follow, for it will be very severe. The doubling of Pharaoh's dream means that the thing is fixed by God and will shortly bring it about. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land and to take one-fifth the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven plentiful years. Let them gather all the food in these good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh for the food in the cities and let them keep it. That food shall be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine that are to occur in the land of Egypt, so that the land may not perish through the famine. God had a plan. And he showed it to Pharaoh, but he didn't understand it. So David interpreted I mean, David, Joseph interpreted it. Joseph interpreted it. It was a plan. They weren't just to wander aimlessly through it. It was to get them through it so they could survive. That's what the one scripture says, or that, that one line, so that the land may not perish throughout the famine. So there's going to be so bad that unless you take action, everybody's going to die. But there's vision. There was a dream. There was vision, vision for the provision. We have a vision. We have a purpose. And our purpose is to preach the gospel, to make disciples, to baptize, to bring the love of Christ to a lost world. That is our purpose. There are various ways that we can accomplish that purpose, but that is our purpose. And if we stray from that purpose and that goal, then we are going in the wrong direction. We have a vision. There's vision for this church. God designed and destined before we were all born, before we were here, that this church, glad tidings, glad tidings, Wow. Where'd that come from? Yeah. Mary says, you need to show me a test. Yeah. Wow. I don't know where that came from. For touch point. We have a purpose. We have a purpose. God has a vision for us at Touchpoint, that we be Touchpoints. I mean, you remember what I said last week about, about our purpose and what we're going to be doing. 
What did I challenge you to do last week? Win one. And we will do that, what you suggested. We're going to have T-shirts made up. Not sure what they're going to look like, but it's going to have win one on it. Win one. Not asking much. The Lord's not asking much. Just win one. But along the way, the enemy is going to want to distract us. He's going to distract, try to distract us and get us off of our goal, get us off of our purpose. And our purpose is what? Preach the gospel, make disciples, baptize, and bring the love of Christ to the world. And he's going to try to distract us and get us off of that, get us looking and focused inward so that we don't go beyond these walls, so that we stay right here, nice and cozy. I tell you what, it wasn't nice and cozy in here when I got here this morning. It was 49 degrees in here. It's nice now. But that's not why we're here, just to experience the warmth of the heaters. We're here to be built up. We're here to learn and to, and to receive from God so that we can go out and win. Win one. 2020 vision, our 2020 vision this year is win one. It's what we want. How does the devil distract us? Well, he brings optical illusions, One for one. You can use optical illusions. They deceive you. Make something that look like something that it isn't. Oh, follow the light. No, don't go toward the moth. Don't go toward the flame. No. Don't look. Reminds me of Jungle Book. And the snake. <laughs> don't, no, don't look, don't look. Hypnotize him. The enemy wants to do that. He wants to distort our reality. And he wants to make it look like what it isn't. But our reality is this, that we are a body of believers who believe in Jesus Christ, the one and only begotten Son of God, who died and was risen again. And by faith and belief in that, that we are saved, not of works. And that our job is to go out and make disciples. See, it's not a mirage. I mean, you've seen those in the movies. A mirage, somebody's trudging through the desert. And they see, see palm trees, and they see oh, water, oh, oh, hot and thirsty. Your mind plays tricks on you. Now translate that into the spirit. We need the water of the Holy Spirit to keep us, to keep us quenched so that we don't get hot and dry 
so that things, the enemy can start playing tricks on us. That we see things that aren't the way they're supposed to be. That's, and here we are right back reading your word on your knees, prolonged and consistent contact with the Holy Spirit. Did I put those? I didn't put those pictures up. I had put, I had, how many of you have seen those, those um, pictures the sidewalk artists do? They paint them on the sidewalk and it looks like, you know, if you step in it, you're, like you're stepping into a hole. They're optical illusions. You know, they even have, ow. They even have optical illusions that they paint on, on roadway surfaces. They look like 3D speed bumps to keep people, to slow people down. How many of you need 3D speed bumps? But they'll make it, and, 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 and the sidewalk hasn't changed. But there's been... Something put over the top of it to make it look like something that it's not. And when we're not feeding on the word of God, when we're not praying and communing with God, then pretty soon this film can be put over our eyes and things look like something that they're not. I'm going to fall off. See, the enemy wants to see it, wants to deceive us so we don't see what we should. He wants to distract us from completing the work that God has for us to do. Vision. We have to have a vision. Vision is not just sight, but vision is seeing, seeing in the spirit what God has put in our heart, what he wants to do in the future. Seeing it with our spiritual eyes. See it and moving and working toward that goal. Vision. If we don't have that, we go nowhere and pretty soon you die. It's like, what's the point? What's the point? How many of you have ever heard the term casting vision? Nobody? My wife has heard that term. Casting vision. It's a term you, well, I, I was going to say, it's, I wrote down a casting vision is a term you've probably heard, but so let me explain what casting vision is. It means planning for the future. It means having direction. We have to cast vision. I have to cast vision. Because God gives me the vision. And I present it to you and I tell you that this is what God has shown me. And then I get you, I work to get you on board with what God is doing so that we together can go and do what God has established for us to accomplish. And He has not called us to stay at numbers like we have now. 
I'm sorry he's not. For years I've been praying against this up and down. I've been praying against it. God stopped the ebb and flow of attendance in our church. Either keep it steady and on the increase. We have to have visual acuity for 2020. We have to have 2020 visual acuity for 2020. Remember I said at the beginning that I asked you what we had been praying for this year, and one of the things that we prayed for was 150. We've been praying for that. Several months ago, the Lord changed my number. My number is now 500. 500. What does that mean? That means there's going to be a lot of change going on. A lot of work. I didn't come up with the number. He did. Sal, did you not confirm that with me when I met you? When you, you know what I'm talking about. When I told you that. Five hundred people, folks. This room won't hold five hundred people. This room doubled won't hold 500 people. We're moving to 500 people. We're going to move forward for five, to 500 people. And I'm not saying it's going to happen this year, this next year in 2020, but that's what we're working toward. That's what we're moving toward. That's part of the reason of win one. And I'm not saying we want to go into 500. I don't want to go to 500. Just look at us. Look what we built. We built a church of 500 people. And this is how we did it. No. The reason that we want to go to 500 people is because in that 500 people, that means that we're winning people for Christ. We're not getting people, just having people just show up and come from other churches. We're not taking people from other, other flocks and building up our numbers and saying, hey, look what we did. You didn't, we didn't do a thing. If our job is, our purpose is to preach the gospel, make disciples, baptize, and spread the love of Christ to a lost world, then that means that we should be multiplying. We should be bearing children. That's where the 500's coming in. Now, I know that God's going to have to bring other people in. But we're not going to go from what we have here to 500 people by bringing people in from other churches. That's foolish. It's a waste of time. If we're going to fulfill our purpose, then we're going to have to win one. And everybody wins one. And then the ones that you win, they win one. And pretty soon, this place has got 500 people. And I know I might make some people mad, but I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. In the, these pews are going to go the way of the dinosaur. Sorry. 
Because the day the Lord gave me the number, he gave me that too. No, there ain't going to be 500 seats in here. No way. But we're getting rid of these things. For one thing, they're stinking uncomfortable. How many of you enjoy sitting in these pews? (laughs) You're sitting in the good ones. I, I don't like sitting in them because they make, the, make my feet go to sleep because they cut off circulation on the back of my legs. The one that Brother Lloyd and Nyoka are sitting in, that end, if you're not careful, that end will come off of that pew. <clears throat> yeah, give it a push. I saw that. I saw it. I saw it. I heard 500 and I saw pew chairs in here. Do we want to move forward or do we not want to move forward? And I'm not saying this to offend anybody because I don't want to offend anybody by saying that, but I'm just telling you what God has shown me. These are gone. How many of you, when you drive by, except for that sign out there, if you were to drive by here, how many of you would know what this place was? Anybody? Take Take a guess of what it was. We're going to alleviate that problem. We have ordered a new church sign. It's going to be four, eight foot by four foot on a pedestal. LED lighting with changeable letters. It's going to sit right out here. So we're going to have to get the permit. We're going to have to run the electrical, and we're going to have to put, get the, the pad put in to hold it. People will no longer question what this is. See, what I really wanted to do is I wanted to get one of those fully LED signs that you could change, but I didn't want to spend $20,000. So we spent significantly less than that. And the good thing about it is we're making monthly payments. Now, don't get me, don't get me wrong. It's not that we couldn't pay for it outright. It was we, we could pay for it outright. But we're not. We're going to, we put down and, and it's no interest. No interest. So, hey, if we can make payments on it, why not? We're moving forward, folks. We're moving forward. 
Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and most everybody knows this, and I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. What's up there is the Amplified Classic, and I just have the Amplified here, so it's, it's going to read a little different. Trust in and rely confidently on the Lord with all your heart, and do not rely on your own insight or understanding. In all your ways, know and acknowledge and recognize Him, and He will make your path straight and smooth, removing obstacles that block your way. The word translated acknowledge in most Bible translations is yada, which generally means to know or recognize. In the case of Proverbs 3.6, it is to know his ways inside and out and to recognize that he is the ultimate arbiter of our lives. And the arbiter means a person who settles a dispute or has ultimate authority in a matter. That's what acknowledge means. It's not like giving God a nod. Hey, God, you know, you know, I see you. I understand you. I, I, I get it. You know, I, you know, like walking down the street. Remember when you, I don't know if we do it too much anymore, but you walk down the street, you see somebody you know, and you go, Sometimes that's what we do to God. We give him a, one of these things, and he's like, hey, what do I do? What do I do, God? He's trying to tell you, and all you give him is this. He's the one who has ultimate authority. He's the one who solves the disputes. We have to get back to that. See, the word translated knowledge and... Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, and in Webster's Dictionary defines acknowledge as recognizing the rights, authority, or status of someone or something. We got to recognize the status. We got to recognize the authority of God in our lives to give us direction. Folks, it's not a suggestion when he gives us direction. He's given us direction, and it's a command. We got to put this into action. I mentioned this before. I'm going to mention it here today again. I think it was on a Wednesday night, but in February. How many of you remember, normally at the first of the year, end of January, February or something, we do the Daniel Fast? How many of you have enjoyed doing that? <laughs> I'll tell you this, by the time that 21 days is over, I'm so glad I get to eat something different. <laughs> this year, we're not going to do that. We're going to do it differently. So we're going to be taking all four Thursdays in February. All four. Be thankful I didn't do Friday. Because Valentine's Day falls on Friday. We're taking all four Thursdays and we're going to fast. Not just eating a modified diet. We're going to fast. Complete fast. Except for water. If you have medical issues that will prohibit you from doing that, then I totally understand that. But I want as much participation in this as possible, that we fast 
for Thursdays. And not only fast, but we are going to pray. And every Thursday night in February, all four of them, we're going to fast all day, and then we're going to show up here, and we're going to pray at 6 o'clock. We're going to pray. And we're going to pray. We're not just going to come in and say, uh, Lord, bless my mommy and my daddy. And No, we're going to pray. We're going to pray. We're going to reach God. We're going to pray for the vision of this church. We're going to pray. Pray for the direction of this church. We're going to pray that God uses us so that we're not just a church that sits here on a corner and nobody knows us. You need to start inviting people. Take some invite cards. We've got invite cards. Take them and give them out to people. We got to make ourselves known. People have to know who we are. See, we are going to acknowledge Christ for the vision of this church. We're going to recognize his authority, his status, his position, who he is. And we're going to allow him to tell us where we're going and what we're doing. This has been the year of acceleration. This next year is the year of vision. A vision for seeing his plans for us and for seeing through the fog and haze and moving into our promised land. Sherlock Bally sent me a text several months ago and told me that he was... See, that's one of the good things I was thinking about this morning. I got another text from him this morning that woke me up. It was way before I was supposed to get up. <laughs> but because we support him, he prays for me. He doesn't have a lot of, he doesn't have a lot of supporters, so, you know, we get a lot, I get a lot of prayer. He says he can count on one hand, maybe two hands, how many people support their ministry. And he sent me a text this morning again, and, yeah, but a few months ago he sent me a text. And it lined up with what I had already been feeling from the Holy Spirit. He said, well, let me see, I'm just going to read it then, if I can find it. can't find it, so I hope I didn't delete all of those. I have a habit of deleting stuff when I should keep it. But he said, the giants have been dislodged from your promised land. And God is moving me in, moving us into a large land, a good land. And that the giants will no longer come back. So we're moving in. We're moving in. And we're not just going to move in. We're going to in and we're going to possess it. The key is possession. Possession's nine-tenths of the law. So they say we're possessing. 
We're not just going to go in, look around. Oh, this is great. Thank you. We're going to go in. We're going to take it. What God has given us, we're going to take. Just so you know, I also see a new building. With room, with storage for one, with room for our kids' programs, with offices that make sense, place for everything. We're moving. We're moving. And again, this isn't something that I came up with. I didn't come up with this. Because if it were left up to me, we'd stay. <laughs> but God didn't call us to, be, to stay small. He didn't call us just to, to status quo. And I need every one of you I need every one of you. Because you all have a part to play. I know there's people missing. Again, I'm going to ask you, you notice somebody's missing, send them a text, give them a phone call and say, hey, we missed you. Are we ready to move forward? Are we ready to go? It's going, to take, it's going to take steps. It's not going to happen overnight. But it's going to be for the long haul. It's going to take everybody doing everything they can at the right time and being in the right place so that we can accomplish what God has accomplished. When, God, when he comes back, when we're raptured out of this place... I want him to find us working and working about the business that he set out for us to do, not at something that we've just come up with. So pray with me. Because I don't know if you know what is going to go into having a church that size. I've been in a church of 4,000. That was just the members. I'm not saying that to brag. I'm just saying I know what it's like to be in a big church and I know how much work it is. But I know that God has called us to that. And we have to work together. And we have to be on our knees. None of, the, none of this is going to work. None of what I've seen, the Spirit has shown me, none of this is going to work unless we're on our knees. It won't. We can have vision. We can say, hey, we're going to do this. We can do, unless we're on our knees, it won't happen. So we got to do it. We got to be on our knees. Let's all stand.
I know there wasn't a lot of shouting going on today, and I know there wasn't a lot of amens going on today. But that's all right, because it doesn't have to be that way every time. Because this was me telling you what God said for us for next year. I want us all to go. You're here for a reason. Step into your purpose and fulfill your calling in this church. Father, I thank you and I praise you. I thank you for what you've shown me. Lord, and I just want to admit that it's kind of scary. But God, I know that I'm not going to go unless you go with me. And you said that you would be with me always. So God, you're going to go before us. You're preparing the way. You're leading. You're guiding. This is your plan and your purpose. Lord, I'm just a vessel. We're all just vessels, Lord. Use us. Help us, Lord, to win one. Win one. Bring those divinely appointed encounters, Lord, and don't give us the words to say as we open our mouths. I don't want this just to be a bunch of words, but Father, I want it to come to pass and be, come to fruition, Lord, that we get in and we do what you've called us to do, Lord. Fulfill our purpose. Or for each person here tonight, today. Lord, may they see you in a way they've never seen you before. Lord, may they grow deeper than they've ever been before. Lord, may they be closer to you than they've ever been before. Work in us and through us, Lord. Because in the end, it's all yours anyway, Lord. And we're just stewards of what you've given us. Help us to be good stewards. Not to be greedy, not to be selfish. And especially to those who are of the household of faith. Thank you for the vision for next year. Thank you for that vision. Thank you for the things that you've already put into place. Lord, guide our steps and help each one of us to fulfill our call into this church. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 2020. 2020 vision in 2020. You ready? Have a blessed new year. Stay safe because I want to see you next week.